0: Today we have uh, Pastor Larry Bradley giving us our message, so please welcome him. Amen. Thank you, Chuck. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Great to be back. Uh, we were gone for a couple weeks. I was preaching up in Citrus Heights, and we were on vacation last week. We always love being with you all, and uh, today I'm going to start a, a four-part series of on uh, knowing God, but really I'm going to focus on knowing God's Son, because Jesus is God, isn't he? He's, he's God in flesh. And Jesus came to reveal God to us. So, you know, as we begin this morning, I'd like you to think and look with me as what's been going on in our nation uh, this last week. Now, last Tuesday began the hearings um, from the um, a House Select Committee on the January 6th attack. You're probably all familiar with uh, what happened when a a mob, basically, of uh, President Trump supporters uh, surged the Capitol with the Congress in session. And a lot of people are saying that's going to be, you know, uh, a day of infamy for our country. Just like uh, December 7th, 1941, just like September 11th, 2001, unfortunately, It's January sixth, two 2021. But, you know, in all of those tragedies that I just mentioned, there were perpetrators. There were perpetrators, but thank God, there were also heroes. Okay? Okay? So I want to talk to you this morning about uh, one of the heroes on September eleventh, two 2001. Okay? And his name is is a police officer by the name of of Isaac Hopi. And... uh, you know, it wasn't just the, the Twin Towers that was hit on September 11th. There was also the Pentagon, you guys remember? And Officer Hopi was outside that building when the plane barreled in uh, to the Pentagon. And he uh, immediately went into action uh, trying to bring people out, people that were straggling, straggling out of the building. He didn't have any uh, protective gear or anything like that. He was basically suffocating, but he, would, he even carried people out with him. And uh, when he wasn't sure if there's anybody left in the building, he stood by the door and he he tried to look inside. And he says, is anybody there? Is anybody there? He said, and one of the, uh, Wayne Sinclair was a a worker in in the Pentagon. Him and five other co-workers were crawling through the rubble, trying, but they lost the direction. They're trying to find their way out. They responded to him. They called, they yelled back to him. And he said, and he said this, he said, follow my voice. Follow my voice. And they did. And they were saved. They made it out. We're going to look at another voice this morning, a voice that brings us salvation, security in the Scripture. And that's the voice of the shepherd. Amen? You know, the Bible says God is the shepherd. And that we're his sheep. Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. Over and over again, the picture God paints for us of himself is of as the the shepherd. Psalms 100. Uh, We are the people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So Jesus, now I want you to notice, we're going to look at the scripture now in John chapter 10 because Jesus, if you have a Bible with you, we'll look at john chapter 10 i think it's going to be jacob's also got that up on the screen there so that's great uh and as we read uh if you're uh willing and able could you go ahead and stand with me as for the reading of god's word what we're going to see here is jesus taking on that imagery of the old testament god in himself as shepherd let's read i tell you the truth The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they didn't understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So he, when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the sheep attacks the flock and scatter it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. You know, Jesus is as he describes himself the good shepherd. And the word shepherd, interestingly enough, the word pastor actually means shepherd in Latin. Pastor is a Latin word for shepherd. So every pastor of every local church is really the on un, and under shepherd. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, 13 rather, Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, he is the shepherd and guardian of our souls. So Jesus is the, 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 the great shepherd, he's the guardian shepherd, and he's the good shepherd. And, and he shepherds his sheep. He shepherds us as his sheep. And we're going to look at two ways specifically, specifically that Jesus shepherds his sheep this morning. The first is this and we're going to find it in verse verse 1 through 3, is that he calls his sheep by name. Okay? You notice that in verses 1 through 3? It says specifically in verse 3, the watchman opens the gate, and his sheep listen to to his voice. He calls his sheep by name. Now, he's drawing a contrast here between the thief that comes to steal the sheep and the shepherd that does everything he can to keep the sheep and to care for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he's calling his sheep by name. Now, it wasn't uncommon. It wasn't uncommon for different flocks of sheep to be in the same pen. But that didn't matter. During Jesus' time on earth in the Middle East, usually the shepherd would name their sheep individually. That would be a lot of memory, wouldn't it? (laughs) I remember all those names. But he called them out. He called them out by name. And they'd they'd listen. They'd pay attention. What's their name was called? They'd pay attention. And so he calls us to hear his voice. When they recognized this was their protector, you know, the head would pop up. They'd look over. Because they knew the voice of their shepherd. They knew their protector. They knew uh, the one who was caring for them. And because he was calling them by name. Don't you appreciate it when somebody calls you by name? You know, my t- wife Tess and I, when we first started coming here to Calvary, we were so blessed by the gifted ministry of Brian. Where's Brian? Brian and Ginger, greeters, greeters here at this church. They made a point to remember, to, to call us by name. You know, just, when you call someone by name, that doesn't that show their appreciation? It shows that someone appreciates you. You're important enough uh, that for someone appreciates you. When you call somebody by their name, see, our names are important for us, aren't they? It shows, there's a warmth to it, isn't there? You know, it shows how important someone is. You're, you're important enough and you're familiar enough for, them, for, for the, them to remember your name, to know your name. Jesus calls you by name. Why? Because you're important enough He is familiar enough with you to know who you are, and he's calling you by name. Do you hear him? In the Old Testament book of Judges, there's a boy by the name of Samuel that, uh, you know, his mother Hannah dedicated him to the Lord and and gave him to live with the priest Eli at the temple. And because Eli was getting up in age, he needed some help. And um, Samuel, many of you know this story. One night, they were going to sleep in the separate quarters, separate beds. and, and, And Samuel heard his boy, heard his name being called, Samuel. And he got up right away, went over to Eli, said, yes, yes, Eli, you called me? Eli said, no, I didn't call you, son. Go back to bed. Happened again, Samuel went back to bed. Started to go to sleep all again, all of a sudden again, the name Samuel. Samuel got up, ran over to Eli. I heard you call me. Did you call me, sir? No, boy. Go back to bed. (laughs) Samuel, get some sleep. Third time. Third time. This time Eli knew the Lord was calling. He knew it was the Lord. And he told Samuel this. He said, listen, if you hear that again, if you hear your name again, this is what I want you to say. I want you to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Shouldn't that be our prayer? Shouldn't that be how we should approach God? Amen. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. What What does it say here? That the the sheep listen to his voice. You know that word listen in the Greek original language is the word akou. It's the same word from which we get our word Acoustic. Uh, acoustic. If something, if there's good acoustics in the building, that means you can hear the sounds clearly. You can hear the beautiful piano playing Jody is playing. You can hear the beautiful. Uh, you can hear the beautiful songs that we're singing by uh, Claudia. A wonderful. Uh, by the way, it's Claudia. That was a wonderful. Wow. Wasn't that great? Amen. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, in the the songs, you can hear the voices that are being spoken. You can hear it clearly. God wants us to have good acoustics where? Right here. In our mind, in our our heart. The, the, The question is this. When you hear God's word, when you're listening to his word, whether it's being spoken, whether you're reading it, how are the acoustics in your mind? Can you hear him? Can you hear him? Jesus is calling. He's shepherding his sheep by calling his sheep by name. Not only does he, so that we can hear his voice, but so we can follow him. Let's take a look. Verse 3. It says, he leads them out. How does he lead? How does he lead? It says he leads them out. And then verse 4. And when he's brought out, when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. He goes on ahead of them. He leads, he sets the example by going in front. He doesn't try to go behind the, push, the sheep and try to push them like they're t- kind of stubborn, like uh, yours truly sometimes, or maybe you can relate. You know, what does he do? He goes out in front. What's that called? That's called biblical leadership. Biblical leadership, leading by example. You know, Peter, the first uh, 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 leader of the Christian church, the spokesman for the Christian church, wrote a letter, 1 Peter chapter 5. And he addresses pastors specifically. And he says this in 1 Peter 5. He says, this is telling them how to lead now. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Serving as overseers, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but, here it is, being examples to the flock. See, that's biblical leadership. And you know what? That applies not just in church. That applies everywhere. Family. Family. You want to lead parents. Parents, you want to lead your children. Lead by example husbands you you're the lead uh, you're the spiritual leader of your home of your wife and family how you do it lead by example uh, in the workplace if you're trying to lead someone you're trying to you want them to do something show them how it's done do it biblically how so lead by example see that's biblical leadership leading by example and that's what Jesus was doing. He was going out ahead, going out ahead. Now, look at what happens when the stranger tries to lead the sheep. Verse 5, verse 5, here it goes. They will never, the sheep will never follow a stranger. In fact, they're going to run the other way because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Okay, that's and that's exactly what they should do. They should go the other direction. You know, Jesus here is giving some spiritual lessons as well because he's talking about the true, the good shepherd versus the false teachers. And there were many false teachers in Jesus' day as there are in our day. Amen? And uh, the thing for a believer to do if you're being approached by a false teacher, false spiritual teachers, which there's a plethora of today, is go the other direction. Not to follow what John calls uh, the thieves, robbers, and yes, even wolves. Wolves. Because what do they do? They scatter the flock, says it right there in verse 12. The hired hand, you know, when, when the wolf comes, he, the hired hand runs away, and the wolf scatters the flock. Here, there's a difference. Jesus is giving the contrast here. Look at verse 10. He's given a contrast between himself and the false teachers. He says it this way in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance. Have it in a fully satisfied way. Amen. And he'll give you that. You listen to his voice. Follow his lead. Follow his lead. He is the good shepherd. Here's the thing. There are many competing voices in our world today. There are voices that want to steal your heart from a sincere and simple devotion to the Savior. In America, there's an obsession with spirituality, spiritual teaching. Only thing is, it's the teaching of what John calls the robbers, the thieves, and the wolves. Um. Ross Duthit, Christian author, wrote a book called Bad Religion. And he talks about the, the core beliefs of this America's wave of spiritual but not religious. And uh, the teachers that are teaching that are going on today, he named some of them. Deepak Chopra, James Redfield, Eckhart Tolle, and yes, I'm sorry all you Oprah fans, I feel for you, but even has Oprah on the list. <laughs> now, here's the thing. What some of these spiritual teachers are teaching, some of it can be helpful. Because at least it gets you to think about spiritual matters. The only problem is they get off the road before they get to the real Jesus. Uh, Jesus, the, the, the true, uh, the, the good shepherd. Here's a couple of the main teachings of the, of the false religions. I just want to mention it to you and then tell you how Jesus responds to it. And this is, this is I'm, I'm, I'm reading now from Roth Duthit his book, Bad Religion. He says this. One of the core beliefs is that God is everywhere. This is a false teaching. And God is everywhere and in everything. You can encounter God by getting in touch with the divinity that resides within your soul. Number two. False teaching. Sin and evil are largely illusions. There is no hell. There is no final separation from the being that all our beings rest within. Essentially what it's saying is that you don't need a savior. You don't need to pay for someone to pay for your sins. You don't have any sin. Now, let me ask you this. Which one of these teachings leads you to follow Christ who died on the cross for you? None of them. None of them. None of them. Uh, beware. Beware. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. The the, the these the, the false teachers instead of gathering instead of gathering the flock uh under the lordship of Christ, they scatter the flock to look everywhere everywhere else but Christ. All right. So then, you know. Isaac hoping, when he called out, when he called out to the building, people that were in the building, the the building was crumbling. He said, head toward my voice. Head toward my voice. Jesus says the same thing. In a world that seems like it's crumbling, amen, head toward my voice. Head toward my voice. I'll show you. I'll show you. So Jesus is a good shepherd. The first way, as we've seen, that he shepherds us is that he calls his sheep by name to hear his voice, to follow his lead. Second, it says, he provides the way to be saved. Verse 9, let's take a look. Verse 9 says, I am the gate, Jesus speaking. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the gate. Jesus is the gate. You know, for the sheep, he's, in the context of sheep, they're going to be saved from what? From the wolves, the, from the thieves, from the robbers. But in, spirit, in the spiritual meaning of it all is that we'll be saved from the eternal judgment of Almighty God upon our sin. And so when we walk through the gate, here's the thing. I'm talking about Gate. It, the, the the shepherds would lead the sheep into the gate. Now the gate was this and it, the the pen the sheep pen would be a cave a shed it might be out, outdoors it might be a a, a, a circle of rocks out, outdoors or, or branches with a little opening a little door a little gate. And what would happen is that the uh, the, the shepherd often would sleep at night. You know, once they bring in the sheep, they'd sleep right there at the gate. Why? You can imagine, to protect the sheep. That's how Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He is the gate. When you walk through the gate that is Jesus, you find forgiveness. You find peace with God. You find eternal life. He is the gate to eternal life. Amen. Now, here's the thing. That word gate can also be translated as door, as it is in other translations. And when you walk through the door that is Jesus, you walk into fellowship with God. You walk into the fellowship of his love, the fellowship of his joy, the fellowship of his peace. Because when you walk through the door that is Jesus, he saves you. He forgives you. He frees you. Listen, that word door we're talking about it was used in, in, in Acts chapter 5 when the apostles were thrown in jail. Peter and the apostles were thrown in jail, and the door was locked behind them. What were they doing? They were performing signs and miracles. They were uh, preaching the Lord. Many people were becoming believers in Christ and the high priest and his associates became jealous so what they do they have them locked up they have them locked up Hadn't put them in jail bible says this the same night the same night that they were in jail an angel of the lord came into that jail cell opened that door miraculously and let them loose all right liberated him he freed them when you walk through the door that is jesus you find Freedom from prison. You say, I'm not in prison. Oh, yes, you can be. We can be in prison within ourselves. Amen? We can be in prison to the bondage of sin. We can be in prison to the walls of fear. How do you break free? How do you walk free? Galatians chapter 5, Jesus said, the Bible says this, walk by the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You'll be free when you walk in the Spirit with Jesus. You'll be free. What is that desires of the flesh? That's talking about our old nature. What is our old nature? Selfish ambition, arrogant pride, rebellion against God, and hatred against man. That's the nature Jesus came to free us from. That's what he came to set us loose from. Those types of bondage, that kind of prison. So he is the gate to eternal life. And by laying, he he, he, he became he provided the way, our way to be saved by laying down his life. What does it say? Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life. That's how much he cares. That's how much he loved us. He's not like the hired hand. Look at verse 12. The hired hand, you know, when the danger comes, he's gone. The wolf comes hunting, he goes running. (laughs) Okay? But not not the shepherd. The hired hand isn't going to risk his life, but the shepherd will. The shepherd will risk his life and give his life just like Officer Hopi. You know, Officer Hopi, when that when that plane hit in the Pentagon, you know he all he had was his police uniform, short sleeve blue police uniform. He didn't have a mask. Like I said, he didn't have a he didn't have a over a uh, protective coat. He didn't even have a handkerchief. And he ran to help. And somebody yelled behind him, "Stop! Stop!" He he reeled back. We gotta get people. Yeah, he, he cared. He cared, and so he didn't even think about himself. He was just tried to get in there and help somebody to rescue him. See, Jesus came to rescue us. He came when he died on the cross. He came to rescue us uh, to save us, and that showed His love. That showed the, the depth of His love. I'm going to tell you a story. True story about an Archbishop. This was told by N. T. Wright. He's a pastor, biblical theologian. And the archbishop that was hearing the confessions of three hardened teenagers. And uh, these teenagers decided to play a prank on the, on the archbishop. They were going to confess some sin. They made up some sin. They kind of talked about, hey, let's say we did this and this and this. <laughs> right? So they, all these grievous and ridiculous sins, they, they started, uh, you know, confessing one after the other. And the archbishop, he kind of caught on. He got of caught on. So he let the first couple you know, confess their sin that they didn't commit. Go running out. They went out running out chairs, laughing, <laughs> laughing about it. Third boy, third, th- third, third young teenager comes up to the, the archbishop. He confessed his sin. And he was going to go out just like the others. But the archbishop said, wait a minute. Hold on. I heard your confession. <laughs> Here we go. I heard your confession. I heard your confession. Now I want you to do something. I want you to do something to show your repentance. Okay? I want you to do something to show your repentance. I want you to go to the front of that church. I want you to look at that picture of Jesus. Did you see Jesus hanging on the cross? I want you to go and I want you to look at his, look at his face. And I want you to say this. I want you to say, Jesus, you did all this for me, and I don't care that much. Can you do that, son? So He went up to the, up to the front of the church. He said, Jesus, you did all this for me, and I don't really care that much. He said it again. Jesus, you did all this for me, but I don't care that much. Third time, he couldn't do it. Third time, he broke down in tears. He broke down in tears. He started bawling. He, he, he started crying. And the archbishop said, the reason I know that story so well, that teenager was me. That teenager was me. He went on to explain. He went on to explain how God just grabbed, the love of God just grabbed hold of him and changed his life. He understood how much Jesus really loved him. You know, Soren Kierkegaard, Christian philosopher, once said this, Christ has not only spoken to us by his life, he's spoken to us by his death. You know, he, he, he gave it all. How do you measure love? The proof of love is what you're willing to sacrifice for someone else. 1 uh, John chapter 3, verse 16 says this. This is, this is how we know what love is. Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Jesus is a good shepherd. He gave it all. He gave it all because he loved us. What will you give to him? How will you show your love? To him, your devotion to your shepherd. You know, we ought to let his love uh, live out his love to those around us. Uh, let, let it live out his love, live out his love at, in obedience to him, live out his love as a witness of him. He's the good shepherd, he's the good shepherd that provides the way to be saved, and is the only way, the only door. In conclusion. As a good shepherd, is calling you. He's calling you. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you by name, just like Officer Hopi called out, "Head toward my voice." Jesus is calling out. Hopi was calling out to save people. Jesus is calling out to do the same—to give you life abundant, to give you life, a, a full life, a satisfying life—and he'll do it as you do what Samuel did when you're taking his word, listen in your heart and say like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And what will happen? The Holy Spirit will remind you of the words of Jesus and you'll, he'll, you'll hear him speaking to you. You'll hear his voice. Jesus came to be the good shepherd. He He He's the good shepherd who calls his sheep by name and he lays down his life. He is the gate to eternal life. He's the only gate. For I, Jesus Jesus said it this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we're, we're just humbled before you, Lord. We just bow before you, Lord. And we worship you. We worship you, Jesus, as our Savior, our Shepherd, Amen who laid down his life for us, that we can live. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price, that we're sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. But the Lord has laid upon you, Lord Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When you died on the cross and rose again, Jesus, you became that gate, that door to eternal life. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't yet, accepted you as Savior. Lord, we just pray that you help them to make that decision to follow you. Jesus, thank you for the gift of eternal life that you give us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 At this time, we're going to have a time of invitation.